Amen. Thanks, Greg. The uh, teacher-coach voice came in handy this morning. Good job. How are we doing this morning? Good. You don't have the uh, February blues. It is Valentine's Day. I promised last night I'd wear my pink shirt, so here we are. Um, it's all I got for you. Uh, but while I'm at it, don't, uh, don't let Valentine's Day, you know, hopefully enjoy it, but don't let a made-up Hallmark holiday depress you. If you don't have a Valentine, it's okay. God has richly blessed you. Amen? All right, I don't have time for all that, but I like to preach on that. All right, so um, I, uh, I have these, um, they're not sawhorses, okay? You have to know that, all right? They're hurdles, okay? Actually, they're sawhorses because I don't, I'm not very handy, so I don't know why I have these. I think it's because every time my dad comes to town and does a project, he leaves like five of them for me. I don't know why he does that, but uh, I have so many of these, so let's make use of them, okay? Set up a little, a little uh, track meet for us, right? So like um, the Hebrews writer, like the Apostle Paul, he loved using sports analogies, but you got to think Greek culture sports analogies, right? So the Olympic Games and all of that, right? So you started with these races where you'd sprint as fast as you can and see who wins. So that seems like good enough, but some sadistic person somewhere along the line said, I got it. Let's throw hurdles in their way and see what happens, right? And so you have the, the, the race of of hurdles, and so so the, he uses this word that we're going to see it struggle. So in English, you don't see it, but it's an athletic term for them. That means, and he's he's using it as an analogy of the of the uh, race of your faith as a Christian, right? And and we have a choice, and and this church he's writing to had a choice. So when you come to the ob- to the obstacles of suffering. Because identifying with Christ and being a Christian, right? When you have that, that, that obstacle that you come against, that some were like, it's just too high. I Forget it, right? It was, it was one thing when it offered so many promises and good things, but this is just too high. So, so we can walk away. The other, the other is, is maybe you come against an obstacle and you try to get over it, right? And you're like me. It's like, oh, this isn't working anymore, right? And, and, and you fall and it just hurts. It's like I... I can't do another one, right? I can't do another one. Forget it. Forget it. It hurts. And so, so you drift away. And what the Hebrews writer is going to tell us, right, in, in his book, especially in our series from mainly chapter 11 in Hebrews, is that faith is raw. It's not a trinket you put up on your wall, right, or something you wear on a t-shirt. It can be as a reminder, but faith hurts, right? But, but he says you, you keep going, you press on, you cling to the promises, right? You keep hurtling. I know some of you want me to see actually jump over these things. I'm not doing it. The whole ripping pants episode cured me of that, okay? And, and so imagine I'm doing that. All right, I'm getting old. I can't do that anymore, right? And, 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 and you just keep, and even if you stumble, you keep pressing on because there's no better place to go. And so we're going to see more in context of chapter 10 as we roll into our series in chapter 11 is what faith is, the idea that faith, even when we're weary in the, in the, the walking in faith in Christ, what do we do? We press on, okay? So I'm going to pray while I pray. I'm going to move the obstacles so I don't trip while I'm preaching, okay? Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you. We're so grateful for the writer of Hebrews and his rich, rich intelligence and his great faith and the words that he wrote so uh, many generations ago, God, and yet they are still for us today. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move our hearts closer to Christ, that, God, for those who are weary right now, 
for whatever obstacle that is in our way or those who will be, whatever's coming, that you already know is coming and we don't, that you would, you would help and you would use this learning about faith in our specific lives, in our context, God, that we would leave here richly blessed and ready to press on because of your promises. Thank you for every soul that's here, every heart represented here. You have a purpose and a plan. And God, we are excited to find out what that is. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, as we uh, look to this, basically this series is going to take all of the examples in Hebrews 11, which is uh, fondly called the Faith Hall of Fame. And we're going to learn from that. So, so we're going to look at the context, and we're actually going to start. If you have your Bibles, we'll put it on the screen. We're going to actually start in Hebrews chapter 10, a sort towards the end of your uh, New Testament. But you can use the table of contents, or if you use a digital version, it's just click and then click. That makes it easy. Uh, so in verse 32 is where we're going we're gonna to start. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully um, you, you ha- you'll get there. But as you, you turn there, I just wanted to give you a really quick uh, update on a renovation. Um, the plumbers were here this past, I should say plumber, uh, a little bit of help, uh, older guy, awesome guy. Um, he was here working on a lot of the, the, the plumbing for the new bathrooms. And um, it got a little bit delayed because of COVID. Some people were in quarantine and like everything else, um, we kind of have to sort of leave room. You never know what's going to happen. And um, the building, the builders have just been great, but they were just really kind of anxious about that. Like, we, we're really sorry we want to get this done. And, and we just assured them, you know, to me it's always an opportunity to, to be uh, the light of Christ, right? We want everyone who works here to be drawn to this is a place to be that we just feel something different. So we just said, hey, it's okay. It's the middle of a pandemic anyway. We can't use that space. So uh, maybe it would be different in other years, but it was, it's just been an, uh, a great opportunity to minister to them, pray for them, um, and, and, and recognize that, that it's, everything is an opportunity, as we'll talk about today. Uh, likewise, CVS across the street called me or texted me and someone who works there and said, hey, can our employees park there while we go through a renovation? And my first human thought was, huh, CVS, how much could we charge per spot? And then God said, Jamie? And I said, oh. Right. Sure. And then that was it. Okay. Uh, but I did think, you know, when Easter comes around and we need overflow parking, I'll be giving CVS a call and we can, you know, maybe do something. Right. So, oh, and, and, and the last time I checked, I don't have the exact number, but uh, this has just been tremendous. Our collection um, for those of you and, and many others who have been just faithful uh, it's been, I think we're close to 100,000, which is a third of our goal for three years, um, which is just tremendous. Golf clap in the back. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but it's just tremendous. Thank you. Like, remember, and I know we have a number of people that have, uh, have joined us since we kind of launched this. You're like, I don't even really know what that's going to be. Um, we just invite you to join that. We, we've, uh, what's been good about it is we refuse to make that our thing. We're not going to stand up here and constantly preach and yell, give, give. We're just not going to do that. We just believe God will be faithful. And so far, like, it's just been amazing. So uh, keep praying about that, giving. And um, remember, it's all about the future for us. We'll enjoy it, but we want our kids and grandkids to, to not have to worry about a building and to just worry about ministry when we're gone, right? They don't look back at us and say, well, thanks a lot, Dad, for leaving this bag of mess with us, right? So that's our goal is to us do the sacrificing so they don't have to. And and it's just been really cool to see. So hopefully in the next month or in a few weeks, month, we'll start to actually see like the really pretty stuff, right? The real work's underneath, but pretty stuff is to, to come. All right. So 
as we, as we turn to this new series, right, it's, it's not that far off from Lamentations, right? It's just kind of the next step. We, we cry out to God, we lament to God, but now it's like, what do we do, right? We press on, right? And, and so um, the, the Hebrews, you know, it's, I, I laugh. First of all, we don't know who the writer is. There's lots of theories, but it's unknown, right? And we just know he was incredibly intelligent. His Greek is just superior to anything else in the New Testament. Um, and most of the other Greeks pretty good too. But he's just an amazing writer. And, and we don't know who he, who he is, but, but he, he writes to this church. And we know this church, they've been Christians for a while. Most of them were Jewish and became, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, so they're Jewish Christians. I'm sure there was Gentiles there, but he writes with a ton of Old Testament quotes, including one we'll see today, and, and, he, and he expects them to understand and not have to explain it, right? And Gentiles wouldn't know the Old Testament, whereas Jews would. And so they were, right, and they're kind of growing weary because they're going through a lot of suffering. And I, I love the Hebrews writer. At one point, he says, you know, that, that I just have a, a, a short exhortation, a brief exhortation. If you've read Hebrews, it doesn't feel brief to us, right? So kind of like one of my sermons, right? It's just a quick time. And next thing you know, well, boy. So maybe he has that problem, a lot to say. But to, to really just, because we're going to look just towards the end of the letter. And there's so much there. But if you really want to summarize it, it's just simply this. That, that he's trying to get them to understand that no one and nothing is better than Jesus. That's it, right? And, and, and that's very simplified. But he says, you know, Moses, for instance, right? He's, he's a great prophet. Jesus is greater. The Torah that Mo- Moses, first five books of the, the Bible that we have, right? That Moses, God gave Moses. Like, that's great. But Jesus' message, greater. The priests from the line of Aaron, great. Jesus is the great high priest that ends all need for priests because of his sacrifice, right? The atonement system that they had, that was great, but it was all a shadow for something greater, right? The atonement of Jesus Christ as he died for us. He shed his blood for us once and for all. And so that's the Hebrew writer because they're starting to get weary. Those obstacles are starting to be, you know what, and they're reverting back to Judaism. They're leaving. They're just tired. They're not meeting together anymore, right? And he's just trying to encourage them to say, just press on because as hard as it might be, there's nowhere greater to be and there's no one greater to run to, right? And so that's the the context as he gets, we're just going to launch it kind of right in the uh, middle of chapter 10, towards the end of chapter 10, because this leads into the chapter we're going to be in for the next several weeks, chapter 11. And he says, but recall, right, remember, the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle. That's the athletic term, by the way. So endurance is something that you struggle through something because it's worth it. Because you see the end result worth it. You diet, right, because it's not fun. But, but you endure it because it's worth it. Or you, you have an exercise routine, and, or you practice a sport or an instrument. It's hard. You go to college. It's like, ugh, all these tests and papers. But I'm enduring it because it, on the other side, it's worth it. And that's what he's trying to say. It's going to be worth it, but you have to endure this struggle. But he's to remember that sometimes you are publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. That Greek word partner is koinonia. You ever heard of that one? It's where we get the word fellowship, but it's not just eating and laughing, right? It's doing life intimately together. And in this case, they did life encouraging each other through some intense suffering and struggle, right? And so he, he's, he's telling them, remember the past. 
because they've been Christians for a while now. And that word that we see is enlightened, right? Remember when you first knew Christ, right? Not just in our heads. And, and if you're a Christian, you can relate to this. You don't just know the stories of Jesus, right? You know him here in your heart. It made it, your purpose changed, right? You suddenly like, felt this desire to be different. You suddenly had a purpose you didn't have before. You suddenly, you just go, I'm going to church. No, no, no. You suddenly love Jesus. You want to follow Jesus, and you don't care who gets in your way. You're wearing shirts that say, I love Jesus. You should too. You know, that kind of stuff, right? That you would have never been, just no way you put it, you get a tattoo, that some Bible verse on it, or you do something you would have been caught dead doing a week before because you were enlightened, that God lit up your darkness. And there's something about that when we, we get that new energy of being a Christian, like it all makes sense, right? All this world, is, it, it makes sense now, right? And we're just willing to endure. And he says, remember when you did that, because now, just like if you've been a Christian for a long time, you can relate to this, you can get weary. You can be like, oh my gosh, how much longer? Like, this is stop, it's not really making sense to me. I'm, the fresh energy of becoming an enlightened Christian is just not there anymore. And now it feels like, huh, right? Um, and, and that's how they're feeling, except even more so than any of us, because they could be killed. They're still being hunted, thrown in prison, right? And, and that's what's happening to them. You see, throughout church history, we have to understand this, because it's hard. And in, in America 2021, it's hard for us to understand that throughout church history, right, over 2,000 years, that w- to, to live in a situation where you aren't ostracized, pushed away, threatened with everything you are and own, to, to not have that is the exception, right? You, 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 it, it's always been the case that identifying publicly with Christ Right? Just saying, I am a Christian means you, you're threatened, you're pushed away, you're not at the cool table at all. Right? You, you might say with 4th century Rome, it became cool to be a Christian. That's when all the heresy came in. Right? Or certain, since then, there have been certain times and places, including early America. That's why it's hard for us. that We, we kind of feel like it should be accepted to be a Christian. No. Welcome to the loser table, people. If you are a Christian, you are, when it comes to this world, part of the loser group. And that's just how it's going to be. Don't expect anything else. Right? Why? Because the, the prince of this world is Satan. He hates Jesus. He hates the gospel. He hates God. And he hates you. And so, for this time, until the Lord comes and redeems everything, which he will, that's part of the promise we're hoping for, is, is that when you identify with Christ, expect it. The more and more it's hard because we're still clutching onto the past. No, let's make this a Christian nation, right? It's just, uh, maybe there'll be great revival. We pray for that. We do. And if it happens, awesome, right? What a season to live in. But most of the time, 90 plus percent of the time, it means you're ostracized, you're pushed away. And I mean right now in this world, most places, to be a Christian means you have to hide, you have to meet in secret, you, you, you're, you're, some of them, some Christians don't see their families for years, right? The things that you endure to publicly identify with the gospel of Jesus Christ is an, or it can be enormous. And I don't know what's coming at our doorstep, right? I, I don't know, but, um, and, and maybe it won't be that extreme. Maybe it will. I'm not a prophet. All I say is be ready, right? Don't, don't be like, well, it should be easy, right? If you've had a comfortable Christian life so far, man, that's the exception. That's not the norm. And these people were weary because of that. 
and we might be threatened. Whatever we might be going through, we might get weary. So take these words as your own. How do I press on? And that's his whole point with this faith hall of fame, right? He says, remember when you, 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 you first went through sufferings and how you pressed on through that, right? He, he says um, in verse 34, for you had compassion on those in prison, probably for their faith, and you joyfully, look at that word with me, accepted the plundering of your property. Think about that. Like they came and they took your stuff and you said, yes, thank you. Like, right? We're not talking about people going, well, Jesus said turn the other cheek, forgive, I guess, right? No, no, no. Like, take it. Woohoo! That's what you were doing. They're not doing that now. They're weary. They're like, forget this, right? So don't think like these are a special breed of Christians than me. It's just they had the right priority. That, that my treasures are in Christ. They're eternal. And no matter what you come, you can come and take my property. You can take my, uh, my reputation. You can take even my physical body. You cannot take who I really am in Christ. You can't take my purpose. You can't take my eternal treasures. You can't take the glories that I have in Christ. They're untouchable, right? So take my property. All that means is I'm suffering with Christ. He said, he said, the world hates me. They're going to hate you. That's the expectation. So the more you sacrifice for your faith, the more joy you can have to know, huh, it's exactly as Jesus said it. And he's saying, remember, when you are joyful in that, right? Take yourself back to the beginning, right? Why? He says, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding. Who's the better possession? Christ. He's worth it. He's worth it, right? When, when, you're, when we live in a country like we do, that's why uh, the name it, claim it preachers that just talk about getting wealthy and healthy, they build huge crowds because people are like, eh, I want stuff. I want all my comforts and pleasures. That's not the norm, right? It's not the Bible. The Bible is, it's going to hurt, but it's okay because it's a temporary affliction in the light of the better possession, right? Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's his point. you got to go back to your better possession, right? We get tired of, and we, we relate, we get weary of looking like losers and being pushed away. Nobody likes that. I'm not, you know, I mean, you have the joy, but it's not happy. It's a different thing, right? You, your joy is there, but nobody's like, woo, yo, I'm so happy about suffering. Like, that's not human, right? But there, there's a, a, a perspective that he wants us to get to cling to faith despite the weariness and the struggle. Why? The better possession. Why? Because there's no one and nowhere else for us to go. Like, do you remember, I, I love the Apostle Peter, because if you're someone like me that tends to say things without thinking first, I don't know if that's you, but um, and you love Peter, because that's what Peter did all the time. And sometimes he said the greatest stuff, like we're going to talk about. And then like the next sentence, he said things that got Jesus to say, get behind me, Satan, right? And that, that's just Peter. And there was this one time where Jesus was as popular as you can be, and crowds loved it. Man, he's, uh, we're sick, he heals me. I'm hungry, he just literally makes bread out of nothing, right? Out of a few pieces of bread and fish. Like, so I'm going to follow him. Whenever I'm sick, he'll heal me. Whenever I'm hungry, he'll feed me. That's how the crowds were looking at Jesus. And Jesus was like, hold up. <laughs> There's so much more to this discipleship. Like, I'm not just your provider 
or just your Savior. I'm your Lord. And to follow me. And he began to teach hard things about following Jesus. And the crowds began, of course, to say, nah, too hard. And they began to drift away and drift away and drift away. And so then Jesus looked at his closest disciples and he looked at them and he said, what about you? Are you going to leave too? What about you? And Peter and it's just glorious without even thinking about what he's saying. Just looked around and you can just picture him sort of going, Lord, where would we go? We have nowhere else to go. What a beautiful statement of faith, right? Like some of you right now, that's your only prayer. You just got to learn the prayer. Of where else am I going to go? Like, it hurts. I don't see it. It's weary. It's a struggle. But I have nowhere else to go. Nowhere else I want to go, Lord. So whatever it is, I'm just going with you. That's all I got. I I don't have all this great insight. I don't have all this information. I'm just following you. And, and, and really, this uh, idea is, therefore, right, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. That word throw away, it's like garbage. They're, they're, they're starting to throw away their faith. He says, no, cling to it. The idea of this here that I want you to see is faith clings to the promise despite the struggle. Despite the obstacles, right? You cling. And you know probably throughout this series we're going to have to bring out our rope of hope quite often. You were expecting it, I, I think. Most of you have... Uh, move this out of the way for a second. Have, have seen this before, but just in case, right? This, this rope is your life. Your life, right? And, and, and this life doesn't have an end. You have a beginning, Right? But regardless of what you believe or where you're at, you're everlasting. Your soul's been made in the image of God. And so, you live eternity with him or without him, depending on your faith in Christ. So you're like, well, what about my life on earth? Well, that's what we call the green tape, right? This is it. This is the struggle. This is where the obstacles are, the suffering, the weariness. This is it. Look at how small it is, right? I mean, it should be smaller. I just want you to be able to see it. If you're like me, you can't see well. So we, we make it, but it probably should just be this little tiny silver. You can't, because we're talking about eternity here, people, right? And so the idea is what, what he wants us to see is to cling, right? And so even though we're living in the Greek tape, we some days, and that might be you today, man, all you're doing is clinging to the eternal promises, right? You're just like, I'm going to hold on. To the, to the promises of God, that he said these uh, afflictions are momentary and slight. I don't feel that way, and I don't see it that way, right? It's, again, back to lamentations. I don't see it or feel it, but I'm clinging, Jesus. I got nowhere else to go, and I'm not going away. I'm clinging to your promises of who you are, what you said about me and about you, and about my eternal glories in heaven because of you. And sometimes that's all you can do is don't throw away your faith. Don't get weary. Remember who you are. Remember your past. For some of you, maybe remember that season of joy when you first came to Christ. And go back there and just cling to that, right? Because he's about to say, man, sometimes we don't see what's going on. But instead, this green tape, it feels like it's all there is. But it's nothing in comparison, right, to the eternal riches and glories of Christ. You know? And, and, and so he's, he's going to continue. We're almost at, at chapter 11, right? But 
And I promise we're, we're going to take a long time to get through 11, so don't worry. We're not going to, we'll just get to a couple verses today. But he, he, he continues at the end of 36 to, to uh, I mean, uh, Hebrews 10, um, verse 36, to roll in to that faith hall of fame where he says this, for you have need of endurance. Amen, right? You came in weary in your faith, you're tired. He says, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. One of the tests of our genuine faith in Christ is we will endure. God will preserve us. That's a promise, right? And so we press on. And then he, like Hebrews writer loves to do, as I already mentioned earlier, quotes the Old Testament from a prophet named Habakkuk, which we preached through a few years ago. Some of you might remember good old Habakkuk and uh, um, his context is similar to Lamentations, if you remember, a little bit earlier. But Babylon's coming, and it's going to be really dark. And, and his whole little book, his message is just simply to live by faith in, in the struggle and the heartache. And so the Hebrews writer takes Habakkuk's words and adopts it now for their context and for ours. Look what he says. He says, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come. And so the Hebrews writer is going to connect that to Jesus. He will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So God expects us not to shrink back, right? So here's how the the Hebrews writer puts it. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You can almost see him now turn into a coach. Remember, he uses that athletic imagery. If you've ever done a sport or a race or anything where you're just like, you're just so tired, I can't possibly go on, and your coach is like, you can do it. Keep going. Keep running. You can do one more, right? You can endure. You can, it's worth it, right? That's what he's saying. We're not a type of people who shrink back. We forge ahead. We have Faith is raw and it hurts. It's not, put it on a little t-shirt and I have faith. It is, it is, man, clinging and pressing on despite the obstacles because it's worth it to endure. That's what he's saying, right? He's saying faith presses on to the promise despite the weariness. So it's more than just clinging, right? It's pressing. It's keep going and maybe it's slow, right? But you keep going, and you take one more step, and you wake up, and you're, I believe, and I'm clinging to what is real, and Christ is real. And, and, and you press on no, ma- no matter what obstacles come in our way. And I don't, as I said before, I don't know what obstacles we will have to endure will come to our doorstep. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I think we cling way too much to a made-up version of our past. And oh, if I could just get you to realize the answer to our conflict and our trouble is not in the White House. It's not in the Congress. It's not in the courts. Vote, get involved, have an opinion. God puts you in America, do it. All I'm saying is that's not where our answers are ever going to be found. It's a temptation to think if it's just that. Your king is different. It's Jesus. Your kingdom is different if you're a Christian. Right? And you're going to come up against obstacles of darkness. It's just how it's going to be surprised by. Too many Christians go out to be, I can't believe what's happening. I'm like, read your Bible. 
What do you mean you can't believe? Of course it's going to happen. I don't like it any better than you do, but I mean, it's what happens when you identify with the king of kings, with the forces that come against. This is very biblical, right? So whatever we might experience, we might experience great revival. And that's happened. And let's do it. I pray for it all the time. But we also may experience far worse than we're experiencing now, just like our, our brothers and sisters all over the world right now. All over the world. Martyrdom is at an all-time high. This isn't an ancient past thing where you died for your faith. It's happening right now, today. People that say, I'm a Christian, and they're risking their lives for it, and they're willing to do it and endure. I'm not saying that'll be us, but you don't know. Even now, certain things, right? We, we get tired of, of, of feeling that, that oppression, right? And I'm not saying, when you identify with Christ publicly, it's not like you start chucking Bibles at people, right? It's not like go to work and start pointing your finger. You're a sinner. Like, that's not it. It's just saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. I live different. Right? I have a, like, I have a different sexual ethic. I have a different way of life because that's my king. He taught me that. And, and I'm not out here to slap you around. I'm just saying that's who I am. Right? I, 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 that's, that's all I can be, and I'm going to press on. And, and that might mean I'm not at the cool table. Right? It might mean that, that, like, if you're single, especially in New England, and you're like, man, I, it's hard to find someone, right? And I'm not going to cut corners, right? I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king. I'm going to wait on him, and it's hard. It's Valentine's Day, right? I don't want to, but I'm going to do it his way, right? Or I'm in a difficult season in my marriage. I'm going to do it his way. Or I'm feeling oppression at work because I won't cut corners. and I won't, I'm going to do it his way. right? So even now, you feel that. Or you have people in your life, and you sometimes just get tired. You pray? <laughs> really? You believe in God? How stupid. How quaint. How old-fashioned. Then you're like, well, what do you believe in? I believe in the universe. And it's powerful, and it's energy, and I get balance from it. And you're thinking, and I'm stupid. But don't say that. That's not Christ-like, okay? You can think it. Just don't say that. Like me. Like Peter probably would, right? Instead, you just say, oh, it sounds to me like you believe in God and you like the benefits of there being a God and an order in the universe. You just don't want to be accountable to God, so you call him the universe. And you might want to start thinking about that. It's a great opening. We get tired of those conversations. We get weary of being looked at as we're the stupid ones because we believe that there is a God who created all this. And there is a purpose to life. And God didn't make me haphazard sack of cells to just enjoy pleasures whenever I can. That's not the purpose. We all know it deep inside. We know it. When someone dies, no matter what you believe, you know you hurt. This isn't right. Why? Because you were made in the image of God. You were made everlasting. You know something has to be done about this. Well, something was. And his name is Jesus. Right? And, and so we do get weary. We get tired, whatever the, the obstacles. But you need to understand, just like the, Hebrews, uh, the, the audience from the Hebrews writer, that church needed to understand, is that whenever, whenever uh, Christianity is tried to be stomped out, it flourishes. Always. Right? Whenever they try to make the Bible illegal and they burn it, it's coveted all the more. Crazy, Right? Like, the more they, they try to kill Christians, the more they pop up everywhere. This is how it's always been. The only enemies to the, to the church are always the church. Whenever it's outside, the church flourishes. It presses on. It continues because that's the promise. And you're a part of that. 
It's hard on a daily basis to feel that. Going to work, going to school, trying to figure things out. But you are part of that promise, and that's his point. Press on. Press on, right? And so we're going to land today on just that first Faith Hall of Fame. But I wanted to see you, to help you to see what he means when he says faith, right? And so we're going to see the verse that you're going to see all throughout this, right? Verse 1, how he introduces this. It's really a continuation of what he's been talking about. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? Hope in Christ. We know what we're hoping. It's a certainty. It just hasn't come yet. We're hoping for it, right? He says, the conviction, I believe, of things not seen. That's hard, right? The context is suffering. Right now I see weariness. I see obstacles. I see suffering. But I'm going to press on even though I don't see the answers right now. And now he's going to say, all right, I want to introduce you to practical examples of how that's been done. And he, he, so he, he says in, in verse 2, for by it the people of old received their commendation. So he's introducing this this list, example list, the Faith Hall of Fame. And he actually, he's, he, he introduces each one with a literary device. You see it in verse 3, by faith. He's going to say, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Moses. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Rahab. By faith. And the idea isn't just to go back and go, oh, weren't they awesome, like watching a documentary of past heroes. The issue is, I look at them, and then someday around maybe some lonely graveside, I don't know, there will be one of you that's there and says, by faith, Jamie preached the gospel, pastored, parented, coached, whatever, by faith, right? And that I can say that of you. That's why this is in our Bibles. It isn't just for us to go, yay, right? It's to say, I could do it too. I can do it. By faith, in the first by faith he gives us, and where we're going to land today, is this, this this concept rather than person. He says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Weird, right? Like, why is this, like, we're going to understand some of the people that he's going to bring up, but why, by faith, we believe that God ex nihilo, which means out of nothing, created. Why is that an example of faith. Because in the Greek culture, like ours, people hate the idea that there is a God who looked at nothing and said something, and there it was. Right? We have all kinds of other theories, little balls of matter that blew up, and here we are. Right? All kinds of other stuff, because we can't accept that there's an everlasting God who's always been, always will be, that he said for his glory, for his delight, created, and here's the universe. Like That's just, it seems to some, including the Greeks of his day, a fairy tale. He says, but we believe it right? By faith. And he's given us the, the you know, and I, I'm not going to do this to you, but I could bring you through the entire Genesis chapter 1. I'm just going to give you one verse. Because if you, you're familiar with Genesis 1, you're familiar with how this pattern goes. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. He didn't go, oh, let's see, let me take a little of this, uh, a little of that, do this, right? right? He's, he's not Bob Ross, like painting some happy clouds, right? He said, let there be light, there it was. And it was good. It was good. And then throughout that, fish, animals, water, people, right? Stars, moon, sun. Let there be light. And, and that's what he did. And, and the Hebrews are saying, we believe that. Out of nothing, he created something. 
Right? The, the psalmist in Psalm 33 puts it more poetically. He says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him because of this. Because of why? For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Like, that's awesome. Like some of you look at your kid's laundry and just wish you could say, be clean. And you can't even do that. Right? And God looked at nothing and he said, be. And it was and it was good. So that's why the Hebrews writer introduces his whole idea of faith. Why we believe that and cling to it. Why is that so important? Because God takes nothing and he makes everything. And if you believe that, you can press on, can't you? Because there's times where we can't see it. We can't see what's going on. All we see is the obstacles. But he tells us, hey, faith is trusting in God even when we can't see because he's the God who makes something out of nothing. Think about that. right? The, the obstacles are absolutely real. The weariness is real. And we can come into church and listen to sermons and sing songs and still feel so weary and tired. Do I continue to press on? Is it worth it? And he says, yes, because he's the God of promise. He's the God of, there's nowhere else to go. And even if you can't see it, remember, he's the God who makes something out of nothing. Right? Whatever the, the obstacle is, whatever the, you can't see right now, the mess in our world, the mess in our country, the mess in our town, the mess in our family, the mess in my marriage, the mess with my kids, the person who I so desperately want to come, become a Christian and they're not, and I don't see the answer and I'm tired, right? Or the obstacle at work and I might lose my job or I might, and, and whatever that mess is, you can trust and press on because why? Because God takes nothing and he makes something and it's good. There's nothing that you can say, nothing can happen with this. Because God is the same God who said, let there be light. Is he really looking at your mess, your obstacle, your weariness right now and saying, ooh, I don't know what I can do about that. You're too broken. You're too messy. You're too addicted. You're too lost. No such thing with the God who created the entire universe. And so we press on. We trust. We believe. Right? We, we, we know that, that, that as hard as it can get, it's temporary. I'm going to cling. I'm going to press on even when I cannot see. Because that's the God of promise. And that's the God we trust in. No matter what obstacle we go through, no matter how weary we get. The God who will look at you and make something beautiful out of what you see is nothing at all. You are not a sack of cells without purpose. You are made with meaning and purpose in the image of the very creator himself. You have a reason to be here. And he is the one leading you to it. Press on and trust him. Amen? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what I want to do, we're um, not going to lament anymore. But I really like the idea. It won't take as long as some of the ones in Lamentations. But I like the idea of not just going, all right, sing and leave. I like the idea of just kind of taking a minute to pray and to 
let God do business in our life. And maybe it's something that I didn't even talk about today. Maybe it's a sin you need to confess. Maybe it's um, just some weariness. You're just something else entirely just to be able to sit before the Lord. So I'm going to invite our worship team up, all right? And, and um, I'm going to get out of their way and lead you through a couple of times of prayer. And if you were here through the Lamentation series, you kind of know how this works. So we're not going to lament. We're, we're just going to sit before God and, and pray, okay? So I'm going to just ask you if, you, if uh, you're able, not watching any kids or anything like that, just close your eyes and breathe. One of the reasons I really like this is because it's a lost discipline in our life. We're so busy, busy doing stuff. I don't even know what. We're just busy. We're just busy. All those meaningless things that we're doing, just in, in comparison to what God is doing, it's just, and, and we we can't help. I do it too. We just get lost on our own selves. And so just breathe and just sit before God right now just for a few minutes. The first um, prayer that I want to pray is for anyone who's not a Christian here. I know a lot of us are, but you've never been enlightened. Any of you have known the facts about the gospel, but you've never really felt that freeing of the chains of sin. and You've never felt like that light has come into your world. I'm just going to invite you to cry out to him in faith. It's just simple faith. Say, Jesus Christ, save me. Save me. You died for me. You rose in victory. Save me. Change me. Give me that fire the pastor's talking about, Lord. I don't feel it. Give it to me. I'm going to pray for that. And if that's you, just in your time, you can put your faith in Christ. For the rest of us, going to ask for God to just show us where we need to declare we have nowhere else to go. Let's pray. Father, I I want to pray for anyone in the room who's just never been enlightened by your gospel. Maybe they've known facts about Jesus. They've known facts about the cross. Maybe not. Here they sit feeling different. You feel like you're calling them to something better and greater, to forgiveness, to redemption. Lord, I pray they would repent of their sin right now and ask you Jesus to save them they would know true purpose and enlightened true glory for the first time in their lives help them God give them the faith give them the conviction Lord for the rest of us I pray that you'll show us what sins we might need to confess fix our attention right now on the gospel we might declare oh Jesus this obstacle doesn't matter we follow you because we have nowhere else to go. In Jesus' name I pray. Take a minute or two and whatever you need to do with the Lord in that, do it.
Father, I, Father, I thank you for saving when we need saving, fixing our eyes on you. For this last just couple of minutes, I just want you to be thinking about areas of your life where the struggles are real. Maybe it's some obstacle of sin, temptation, taking hold right now, suffering, life's got you, or weariness, maybe it's a relationship in your life, or something, some place where it's hard to trust Jesus, hard to see how it can be turned around, person who's not a Christian in your life, they're just fearful of them, but God, that we can remember that faith is trusting in God when we cannot see he is the God who makes everything out of nothing. Lord God in heaven, we have people here, including me, all of us. We have mess, we have suffering, mourning, we have loneliness. People in our lives, God, who don't know you and we're afraid for them. We have single people who want to be married and if we're going to be honest, we might even have married people who would rather be single. We have addictions, fears, weaknesses. We can't see you in this. God, together, collectively, as your people, we ask you for the strength to press on, to cling to you by faith. For you, we declare, God, are the God who makes something out of nothing. And it's good. In Jesus' name. Take a minute or so and Whatever that obstacle is for you, suffer, whatever it is, just sit before him and give it to God. Ask God for help in the struggle. Well, our last song that we're going to sing is one that's probably familiar. It's a little bit older. It's called Indescribable. It's a song all about the creation of God and what that says about him. So let's leave here on a note of praise to the God who makes something out of nothing. Amen? Let's stand and sing.